stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. It's incredible. I think, you know, A, to be able to meet her through his lens, not just with his honor and respect for her as the monarch, but the love that he has for her as his grandmother. All of those layers have been so important for me so that when I met her, I had such a deep understanding. Well, that's uh, Meghan Markle, uh, American actress, soon to be a member of the royal family, describing meeting uh, Queen Elizabeth, her fiancé's grandmother, soon to be her grandmother-in-law. So, yeah, there's such a fascination with the royal family. I mean, at some level, it's, you know, they're big, big celebrities. People love celebrity news. I, I think for us, uh, being a constitutional monarchy, uh, I guess uh, Prince Harry is, what, about fifth in line to, to the throne right now. So there's some, some constitutional relevance to us, uh, all the ongoings within the royal family. Uh, but it's interesting, the fascination in the United States with the royal family that they decided they didn't want any part of well, a couple hundred years ago. But one aspect of the Meghan Markle story, and it's, it's both relevant and it isn't, right? Meghan Markle is of mixed race, and it's significant that she is the first mixed race member, will be, uh, of the royal family. So you can look at that as a sign of progress, a sort of, hey, isn't that neat story? To some, though, it's sadly uh, an issue, right? I mean, there's the dark quarters of the Internet where all kinds of racist things are being said, and maybe that's sadly predictable. But is it something that media outlets should dwell on? And should be, we be concerned about the tone of some of the coverage around Meghan Markle and her background? Well, our next guest says maybe we should be. Uh, Shri Pardakar is a columnist with the Toronto Star, thestar.com. Shri, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. The fact that Meghan Markle is of mixed race, is it your sense that it should matter at all? Should it be mentioned at all? Um, should it matter at all? No. Does it matter? Yes. Well, explain the difference. Um, so, you know, it doesn't make a difference whether she is what her race is to the um, British royalty. Right. I mean, which it, it has a symbolic value. Uh, the symbolic value would be that a British no longer needs to mean white. Right. So when we see photos of a bride Megan and a pregnant Megan and, a, you know, you see that there is this person who is not white. And that's that's I think that's a good development. Does it matter? Really? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, uh, that has not been the case. You know, she has seen some really unkind uh, headlines against her, for instance, unkind words, um, which are so much of it is race based. Well, yeah, that that certainly is unfortunate. But as you say, I mean, in, in the context of the significance that this is the first non-white or mixed race member of the royal family, uh, if we view that as a, a positive step, then that's worth noting, isn't it? It is. In that case, we should talk about it as such. Mm-hmm. You know, we should say, OK, this is worth noting because um, she may be the first mixed race um British royal. Now, there is some talk that Queen Charlotte was, in fact, part black, but fine. You know, Queen Charlotte, as in the one who married King George III, that is Queen Victoria's grandmother. Uh, but, you know, so that's, that's all for historians to sort out. However, if we want to say that this is a big deal, then let's say, okay, let's talk about what her mixed race uh, upbringing or her mixed race racial mix means 
to the royalty, and let's talk about it straight. In fact, uh, on the other hand, what's happening is uh, a former foreign secretary, for instance, told the media that, well, this is the least interesting aspect of the day's news. It's really not an issue. There's no controversy. The world has moved on, right? And it's easy for him to say it as a person who doesn't face race. But that's not how Meghan Markle herself sees it. You know, because in an interview that she gave with the BBC along with uh, Prince Harry, she said she found this focus on her heritage disheartening. Where's you know, the focus coming said, from, though? Who's focusing on her? So, uh, well, some really, I mean, as Prince Harry's uh, um, press statement last year said, that, you know, she's been subject to this wave of abuse and harassment from, uh, you know, media or social media and this common pieces that have these racial undertones and there's, you know, some of it is outright sexism and racism. Some of it, you know, in web article comments, some of it is uh, more sort of um, hinted at dog whistle. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's the blatant stuff and it's not hard to find in, in social media. We know there's there's hateful sites and hateful people out there and then they're not shy about it. So there's there's that side of it. Maybe that shouldn't surprise us as disheartening as it is. But you're suggesting beyond the fringes, there's a concerning undertone in what may be considered more mainstream. It would be. I mean, uh, one is the undertone, but I mean, even with something like the Mail Online, right? They have a headline that says, Harry's girl is almost straight out of Compton. It doesn't, you don't need to have, you know, there's no undertone that is pretty direct. Right. Or, or it says the gang scarred home of her mother is revealed. Uh, you know, her relatives live in gang infested areas. You know, or today, I think there was a story about how Meghan Markle was such a pushy princess right from when she was little. And her family once filed for bankruptcy. Now, so now we're going to get this wave of stories that are going to talk about, you know, some kind of an element of gold digger in her. You know, so there is going to be all these. I mean, to some extent. Being scrutinized by media is part and parcel of being engaged to the British royal. But the difference is going to be that there's going to be various ways of relating to why she's not a right fit for the British royalty. And those ways will be based on her race, which is something that, if I may say, did not happen with Kate Middleton. In her case... People, when people talked about her background, they were talking about her so-called commoner background, right? Like her yeah. commoner multimillionaire background. And there was a quaintness to it, you know? Oh, look, you know, the British royalty is not so stuffy anymore. There's a commoner who's going to be part of the British royalty. But her whiteness was not part of it. You know, people didn't ask her, oh, are you now, Is do you have straight hair because you're white? And did you go to the school because you were white? And did you grow up in that neighborhood because you're white? Right. But whereas with Meghan Markle, there's a lot of that focus on this is to do with that black side of her heritage. So now that we've noted the significance, I, I mean, as you say, it's it's worth noting the significance of this, but that it's perhaps time to move on. We don't need to focus or dwell on this uh, any further. We don't need to unless we have, you know, something else to say. I mean, it's 2018. You know, it's perfectly fine for a British royal to not be white. Um, and what more is there apart from saying, wow, that's so cute, right? Like there's right. nothing else to say there. But but that won't be the case. In fact, I hope I'm proven wrong, but I feel that 
uh, given, well, even my own experience, but forget my experience, given the experience of people like the, um, you know, Barack Obama, who was mixed or Halle Berry, you know, all these sort of non-white parts are the ones that will be continuously, you know, held under the microscope. Yeah. Right. And, and and today she identifies as mixed race because she wants to give, I guess she wants to respect both sides of her heritage. But depending on her experiences, she may not have that option of being mixed anymore. She might be forced to take sides. Well, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Uh, Shri, we'll leave it there. More at uh, thestar.com. Thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. There you go. That's Shri Paradkar, uh, columnist with the Toronto Star. So sure, okay, we can note it. Just as someone texted us to say, Megan's also the first American member of the royal family. Note the significance. First uh, American member of the royal family, first mixed race member uh, of the royal family. And then we can move on because it doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter. Uh, and if there are people who uh, are infuriated by that, well, uh, I suppose they can uh, fester in their own hatred. But uh, the rest of us, I think, can move on. Okay, a couple other things I need to get to here quickly. We told you yesterday about this weird controversy about yet another public art project in Calgary. And, of course, the public art program, the policy, has drawn so much criticism. Frankly, most of it justified for some time. Now, this particular project is not necessarily a direct consequence of the policy, or at least these issues that arose. I mean, the idea that we had to spend $20,000 to put some art in a temporary display under some underpass that's being renovated might seem a little curious. But it had not been for this controversy, no one would be talking about this this project. So some some artist was commissioned and $20,000 was paid and he made these pictures that looked like Polaroids and the faces were blurred and it had some messages on it. And that, I mean, that was the gist of the project. So a number of uh, British comedians came forward and said, well, what the hell's going on here, folks? In Calgary, those are our pictures in your art display. Nobody came and asked us for permission. Nobody asked the photographer who took our picture if you could use them in your art display. So why are our pictures on your underpass? Well, that got the attention of the mayor, as he said yesterday. Investigate, investigate, investigate. And we did. And it didn't take long before the city announced that, uh, yeah, this is a problem. We're going to take down the artwork. And that came down yesterday afternoon. As we told you yesterday, we had reached out to the uh, artist in question. Derek Besant is his name. Uh, because I, I think people deserve to know, well, what the hell happened here? We spent $20,000 on this thing. Now we got to take it down. Well, I guess we we're going to eventually. So he has now commented, uh, responding to our request for an interview, or at least a request for some kind of comment. And he says this, quote, when I received some torn out pages from a handout flyer with these faces, my impression was that they were already out in the public domain. Therefore, I thought they could be collaged as backgrounds to be further in, uh, in, interrupted, it says. Does he mean interpreted? I don't know. With text elements for the 4th Street Community Art Site concept. I intended my project to incorporate a theme of representations of strangers that could be from anywhere in any city. My premise was to open up a conversation centered around who are we in cities. I've initiated that the temporary artwork be removed immediately, and I want to apologize to all concerned. In no way did I ever mean to hurt anyone involved, and I'm extremely sorry that this is the result of my misunderstanding. That from Derek Michael Besant, the artist who was commissioned to, to do this project. 
So, is he going to go take down these <laughs> pictures himself? Does he still pocket the check? I think these are all legitimate questions. But if you're going to use photographs to, to just assume in this era where we take intellectual property so seriously and copyright and all of that, uh, and you're doing something on behalf of a city to just look at some photos you found and say, oh, yeah, those are probably good. I could probably use those and not check with anybody. So, you know, the mayor made a comment about how, you know, we got to trust these artists that we contract. And, and certainly the contract itself needs to reflect our expectations that these things be taken seriously. So could the city have done more here? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, but, yeah, it, it falls to this guy. And so there's his statement. He's taking some responsibility here. He made the judgment call, felt he could use these and did and is um, pretty sorry about it, I guess. All right, coming up after 2.30, I want to get the latest on how Fernie is recovering from this tragedy that uh, certainly made national news at rock this tiny community. You know, something like an arena, especially in small town, becomes such a center of the community. An ammonia leak killed three workers uh, at the facility. So we'll talk about how the community is recovering and efforts to get uh, an, some kind of a temporary ice facility uh, up and running so that the community can still make use of that through the winter months. So we'll tell you more about uh, what's going on in Fernie, B.C. When we come back here, stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.